There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi guys, this is Charisma Carpenter from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, your favorite bitch on wheels. You're listening to Buffy Back Issue Bin. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue, where the show we go through all the Buffy, Angel, and Firefly comics. That are canon chronologically. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. I guess not. New canon, except for Firefly. Same See, chronology? This is what, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It works for Firefly, but not for Buffy. Anyway. Because Buffy's all new. Well, there we go. So this is actually our first arc of the new Buffy. So welcome, everybody. Yeah, if you haven't done this before, what we have done in the past is we went through every single Buffy Angel and Sir previously Serenity, and now Firefly for licensing purposes, a comic that happened before, but... We're on to a new universe, a new publisher. Yeah, and this has been really fun for us. Um, we've also been doing the individual issues as Patreon-exclusive reviews. With non-spoiler and spoiler reviews. There's also a couple of freebies out right now if you want to- See what those sound like. Get a like. little taste, a little sous yeah. of what we do. You don't need to use any French. It's okay. You are a French teacher. I, I apologize was... <laughs> for using the French. Good, good. Was my sous not appropriate? Let's move along. What? Is it not good? Am I pronouncing it incorrectly? I don't quite know what you want to say with it, so Okay. So bad then. We'll just <laughs> we'll just keep on trucking. So before we get into the arc, let's talk what happened. This has not been officially confirmed, but I am gonna say with a hundred percent certainty I confirm it. Bet against me. I will put fifty dollars against anyone who thinks I'm wrong. Please don't actually take him up on that bet. <laughs> I'll do it. I know you will, but I'm gonna be really honest, we don't have that kind of money. Uh Comic retail life. Also join our Patreon. Oh yeah, there's that too. Yeah, if you want to get those issue by issue reviews, uh, one dollar a month minimum or more or more, <laughs> always or more. Anyway, back to what you were saying. What are you trying to confirm? So uh, Fox Studios bought a minority share of Boom Studios, but then Disney bought out Fox, and I think Disney went, "Let's get all of our properties back under one roof where we can actually make money off of them." So they pulled the license from Dark Horse, who had previously been publishing Buffy since 99. And Firefly, incidentally, but we're not really talking about that right now. But not Dr. Harbaugh, because it's not a Fox property. Anyway. I guess I'm just... It's true. <laughs> stick with weed and stuff. Or that one thing that came out on MySpace. I forget the name of it. Like, the MySpace Presents. There's a graphic novel. You can pick it up. Oh, interesting. Probably on Amazon. Probably. It's a whole unit. Whatever. I'm not, I'm not getting into anyway, that. Anyway, back to this. But whatever. So Dark Horse lost the license and went back to Boom because Fox owned it, and now Disney owns Fox, and Disney wants to make all of their money. Yes. So the old continuity, which had been going on for over 20 years, ended, and we started anew. And so far, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. If you've never done one of these before, we're going to go through the entire arc. Literally every spoiler will be spoiled. There are no stones unturned in this. So if you haven't read it, as a very longtime fan of this stuff, I say read it. Yes, yeah, so that's our, that's our non-spoiler review is to read this. We're going to be talking about the yeah, I'm totally on board. first four Buffy issues, which make up the arc, as well as the free comic book day special, which has like a half story in it, but it's super important. So yeah. we're adding that into this. Hence the weird date that we're releasing this. The other side of this that I want to add is if you look at sales figures, don't. Sounds great. Well, <laughs> let me explain that. If you want to compare it to what Buffy was doing or compared to Buffy Season 8 when it kicked off or even the stuff in the late 90s, the stuff with Boom Studios, they're not they're not true numbers. Uh, the comic book industry works on the idea of uh, being terrible. 
slightly more in depth on that is whatever you buy from a retailer, you are buying it from the retailer. You are not buying it from the company or the publisher. Retailers are the ones that actually spend the money and then the customer buys it from the retailer. So if you look at sales figures, you're also looking primarily at North American sales figures, but you're looking at what did comic shops spend on a book. And generally speaking, when you go into a comic shop and you look at all that stuff on the wall, you're just looking at everyone's mistake. Whatever's on the wall is just something they overordered on. Dear listener, you don't know how many times I've heard this particular story. It's a museum of mistakes when you go into a comic book store. And so that ties back (laughs) to the Buffy numbers. Because boom, and believe me, this is a high, high praise, a high positive they i don't know i don't think they're doing it for anything additional but through issues 1 through 4 they allowed full returnability oh that's really kind that of them that is a rarity and also a very kind gift 100%. for all of the retailers and retailers wives out there <laughs> yeah so the actual boom numbers aren't real numbers because there's going to be some returns there but i can also say for me personally i increased my usual buffy numbers because it was going to be a reboot and hopefully snagging new readers versus something had been going on for like 11 years or whatever it was a million years yeah so i did my original order and then they're like it's fully returnable i'm like oh okay and i upped my orders i can only speak for me but then i've been selling out yeah which is super exciting and also If you are somebody who loved Buffy the show, didn't realize that there was a Buffy the comic that continued that, now's a great point to jump back on. It's the same characters. It's similar voices. Um, They've changed up enough things that it's not just Buffy the show in comic book form, but they've kept enough of the tone consistent that it feels very comfortable and familiar. Yeah, as probably the retailer through, I'm going to say the world that was probably promoting the Buffy stuff the most. Let's go on a limb there. Okay. (laughs) I have seen a pretty significant sales increase from where we were for the last couple seasons of where it was to where it is now. So, you know, hard to complain for me. Yeah. And and <laughs> also, I like it. So there's here's that the too. thing. They really did a great job with it. It's not, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of ways you could go wrong with a reboot. And they've managed to walk that line to not go wrong. So really good job, everybody. I think that's all the preamble that we need to do. On to issue one. Let's do issue one. All right. Let's tackle the title and the kind of the credits of it. Well, first of all, we have this book is written by Jordi Belair with art by Dan Mora. And we have the title, which is the most charming thing in the world. Welcome back to the Hellmouth. Because what's the first episode of Buffy called? Welcome to the Hellmouth. Damn right. If that's not charming, I don't know what is. And Seriously, come on. That's great. That is charming. And although it is, we are not technically greeted by a credits page right on the inside cover. Let's deal with the thing that seemed to be the thing the internet jumped on the most, which kind of surprised me. So I'm sure if you listen, if you watch the show, which probably you did, um, that you remember that little poem that happened at the beginning. It wasn't even a poem, but the it was The pre-credits like, crawl of season one, which by episode three was real old. Yes, and being like, there's one slayer among the generations. One girl in all the world. She alone. Blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah. We've all heard it a million I times. I really laugh that you pretend like you don't know all of the words to it. I don't need to do the whole thing. Anyway, so that occurs here, which is charming. Except, except instead of saying she, the book says they. And the internet, being the internet, of course, reacted with a neutral attitude. To be fair, some people I did see some people being like, hey, what's up with this? And jumped all the way to like, SJW soy politics, blah, get that out of my comics. 
It's not like the 90s, even though the show was predominantly written by very vocal liberals. Get that SJW crap out of here. Fucking jackasses. I don't really know what any of those words you said meant, but that's fine because I got the tone. Oh, they're a bunch of tools. Anyway, we still don't quite know what that means, although there are some hints. So the term they, I think... And I am so next to positive I'm right on this. Although there's there's no confirmation, is I think we're going to be dealing with a multitude of Slayers before we just had Buffy and then Kendra and then Faith and then obviously the rest. But we've had some hints that... Buffy may not be the sole Slayer. We don't have confirmation because there's sometimes Slayers, sometimes it's the Slayer. We, I mean, it kind of bounces back and forth. But I guess my main point to the internet is I'm sure this was an intentional choice and wait and see. And don't be... That loud mouth. Be- I also kind of like that at the end of the first arc. Because you look like a clown. I also kind of like that at the end of the first arc, we don't know the answer to that question. No, we don't. And I don't feel I mean, I'm saying dissatisfied. that because I know I'm supposed to say that. Oh, we don't know. Guess what? I'm right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I mean, so whatever. I'll, I'll throw some swagger out there. Let's jump into issue one. We see Buffy is working at Tunaverse versus Double Meat Palace. I mean. Which also a drive through fist joint sounds terrible. Is that not what like long john silvers is i yeah i'm kind of against it i don't know i've never been there anyway i have a terrible sense of smell and even i'm against this we don't really have national chains up here in maine makes us sound like hicks but it's real we don't really have national chains look jersey represent i've seen some chains okay anyway so i don't know what half these things are but (laughs) um i've seen commercials so moving along Buffy is working, she looks pretty miserable, and we have this narration going on in like internet chat text boxes. I love this because we see uh, what we presume is Buffy's inner monologue, but we will learn is Xander's blog or online diary. Like live journal? Maybe he has a live journal. Is live journal still a thing? I don't know. I'm 92. I don't know what things are. Maybe Tumblr? What's Tumblr? That's where you can't post nude things anymore. But what can but, you post? What now, does one post? But now Pornhub wants to buy them out. What is Reddit? I don't really understand Reddit. Okay. Maybe it's <laughs> one of those. Anyway, it's an internet thing. But we have this internal monologue, which we assume is going to be Buffy, but then we reveal later on that it's Xander, and it plays out for this first issue for a while, and I kind of like it, because Buffy, if nothing else, is about the outsider. And that's something that both of them feel more than any other character. Like, we get that a bit with Willow, but not as much. No, and I like it too because uh, if you reread the issue, you can see exactly how everything is Xander. But at the same time, it's just very well done, especially with how this arc is going to go. Yeah, and... I've really enjoyed rereading it to do this episode because obviously we said we did the issue by issue stuff. Patreon.com slash editors comics one dollar a month. Gonna keep plugging that sucker. But this really it, it flows so great as an arc, and I love the establishing stuff with Xander that we don't know is Xander. But Buffy is watching over Willow and Xander enjoying a tuna verse meal. Sounds terrible. I kinda like the name though. And the two of them leave only to be attacked by our first vampire. And to be fair, I love the reveal of the vampire with Dan Mora on art. This is something that we saw George's Genty do in season nine, but just using the teeth yes. and entirely shadow around it. I, that's such a great visual. I love that visual. We haven't really talked about the art yet, but I... We're on page two. I know, but it's good. <laughs> it is very good. I enjoy it quite a bit. He's not an artist I'm terribly familiar with. He's done other stuff with Boom. He's done Power Rangers stuff, but I think this is my first introduction to him and I like what he's about. So Buffy saves their lives and everybody's like, yay, you saved my life. <laughs> and she's like, you're a cute couple. And Willow's like, nope. Yep. Which doesn't really help 
poor little Xander and his feeling alone situation. But Buffy is quite standoffish on the whole thing. And they're they're both quite grateful that she has saved their lives. But she doesn't quite know how to deal with the fact that Someone there are people. Her. Yeah. We see Buffy throws her stake at the trash can and she walks away. It's very much, you know, amazing Spider-Man. What was it? Number 50 was that Spider-Man no more. It's kind of that kind of image. But we also have that same image that we had a million times. This reminds me of Angel so much. Angel's whole thing is walking away in an alley. Yes. Like there's Angel. There's a coat. There's his butt. And this was just there's Buffy. Yep. And she's walking back in to her shift and telling them just to forget everything. Something that this whole book does they make a lot more reference to the weird things that happen in Sunnydale just by the secondary characters so in the original show like the the it, it was a mystery yeah every once in a while people until were like the prom, huh. until 318 prom yes and they're like and then somebody yelled Snyder and it was hilarious everybody's like oh people just disappear around here all the time don't know why but in this one they're like yep weird things happen all the time we know exactly why which i kind of like because how could you really keep all these demons under wraps so let's start tackling references aside from the being the characters we know the ex- we see sunnydale high the exterior is identical to what we saw before and we see a sign saying welcome freshman and based on information we get later on we can assume that this is going to be happening in the fall of 2019 And inside the school grounds, we see Willow and Xander discussing the fact that, hey, some lady saved us last night and a man turned to dust. Maybe we should follow her into that library. And so they do. And who do they happen upon but Giles? So Giles is probably the least changed character, and I love it. He is still all about the three-piece suit, especially the way he was seasons like one through three. But what I do think is really funny about this is we see the library, and the library is exact. And I do love that set, which was later turned into the initiative set. Fun facts. Cool. I've told you that one. (laughs) I'm sure you have, but sometimes your fun facts go in one ear and out the other. But I love that set, and I love the exterior of the high school. And I just think it's funny that the library has a different door handle. It's so incredibly, what a minor thing to say, but I just think it's funny because everything else is so detailed. It's like, different door! I know, and actually, that threw me off. I don't know if I've ever seen a a library with like a normal doorknob. I've always seen them with other types of- A push a pull. Yes, or just like something else. Anyway- it was such a weird thing to be like, huh, threw me off. But Xander and Willow go in and they're like, vampires! And Giles is like, really? Already? Really? It's You've been here for three weeks. You have blown your cover so fast. This is, I mean, we, obviously we see Buffy saving uh, Xander and Willow, but I do like that we have a different introduction that we did in the first show of like Buffy and Giles meeting for the first time. We're picking up the story still very early on, but not like day one. And I like that we're not just rehashing what we've done before. Right, because we already know who Giles is, and we already know what his job is, and so that's all cool. But we do learn about his singing earlier yes. than before. Yes, we do. Um, I love that Giles has the same exact role in Buffy's life right now, and that may totally change, but I like the continuity aspect of it, because a lot of other things have slight tweaks to them, and so just give me normal Giles, and that makes me happy. So I do want to tackle these um, couple of pages just for a quick hair. I want to talk about two things. One, we start to see references to the old stuff. We talk about, like, Xander sees, uh, he's mimicking a vampire being sick. He's like, grr, arg, which, you know, obviously is, you know, Joss doing the thing with the mutant enemy logo at the end of every show, which is fine. This first issue is a little reference heavy, but I'm going to turn negative into a positive here. The first two issues 
have a couple of moments of clunky exposition where the characters state their relationship to the other characters. And I think I probably I've already claimed myself as like the biggest Buffy fan of any retailer. Well, I'm also going to claim myself as the biggest stickler for exposition, which is a weird thing to claim. But I don't know why it's just I'm I focus in on exposition. You do. And the worst part is now I do too. <laughs> um, Marriage, baby. But they really do quite a nice job with not sticking a ton of it in here. This first issue especially is very concerned with world building. Well, I was just say issue one and two, there's a couple spots where the characters say to each other, hey, this is our relationship. Do you remember that this is our relationship? Which I'm not a fan of, but I do want to actually turn this into a very big positive. This grows so exponentially just in a couple of issues. It gets, this disappears. Yes. The right, I think the writing on this book is getting literally better with every single issue. And I, I just love it. It's gotten so solid. And even rereading this as a whole, I love that the seeds that are planted early on, there's some definite stuff that they're building towards. Also, there's some um, uh, subverting expectations that we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But really, the writing is getting just progressively better with every issue, I think. And I, I'm really excited to see where it's going. Yeah. And it's really, really clear that the people who put this book together love the show entirely. Also, ignore probably my own nitpicking about exposition because I don't think anyone cares as much as me. Because they really do a great job of putting in a ton of little Easter eggs and references like the Gur-Arg thing that you're going to get if you know the show well. But if you don't, it's certainly not going to take away from it. And I enjoy that. But school day ends. Buffy goes home to Joyce. And Joyce has a boyfriend. We haven't seen the boyfriend yet. I was going to say Joyce just looks five to ten years younger. Yes, Joyce also does look younger. Joyce is a hot mom. Joyce looks younger. Hot mom. Joyce is very much the same Joyce, kind of nagging Buffy about school and... Try to not burn down the gym. Yep, and are you making friends? Not that one exactly, but... And that kind of stuff. But again, in the same way that I enjoy having Giles as a consistent element, I enjoy having Joyce as a consistent element, at least in her role that she's playing for Buffy. Until she dies. Um... She doesn't die in this. And then um, for the first, we'll call them four and a half, including the free comic book day one. I think we get my favorite page of art in this whole series is Buffy goes out patrolling and she kind of crashes on a grave. Like goes to sleep, not like runs into one. Yeah. Both are very possible, Buffy, but in this one, she's sleeping. And we get this great top down shot. And I'm not, I, I'm not sure if it's a top down shot that becomes a POV shot or if it was pur- purely a POV shot. But we get this vampire that jumps down on top of her, like, hands on each side of her head. And it's just stellar art. I love that page. That's such a solid page. Yeah, no, it's it looks really great. I don't really have a lot more to add to that. She stabs a couple of vampires, and one of them swats the stake away after getting staked in the heart. It has a fancy necklace on. And he's like, I'll be back with more friends and more silver. And then Buffy just kind of lets him run away. Yeah, which is where you get kind of the early Buffy, because I feel like later Buffy should be like, no. Get him. But early Buffy's like, okay. We have a vampire with, I don't know, let's call it a gem. that A can... soul gem. I was going to say a gem of Amara. Oh. We don't actually know if it's that. But there is some kind of set of Amara. If we'd actually know if it's the same thing. But basically, uh, in two episodes, we discovered that there was a ring that made vampires immortal. Spike had it for a second. Buffy took it away. Harmony had it for a second, too. And then Angel had it. And then Angel destroyed it because Angel's an idiot masochist. But enough about Angel. <laughs> idiot masochist. I stand by it. 
Oh, we all know that. Moth to the flame, that guy. I don't know if this is a connection to that or not, but we do have another set of jewelry that makes vampires immortal. Maybe it's a reference, maybe it's not. Our vampire that got stabbed and escaped from Buffy goes down a dark alley in Sunnydale and presses a sign that says, No Teenagers. And he enters into this some sort of strange shop. It's definitely a magic shop. Maybe a magic box of sorts. Maybe. Um, but the proprietor is not one Rupert Giles. It is, in fact... Anyanka. And she's awesome. She's probably the biggest change. She's definitely the biggest change we've seen so far in this. I'd say Robin is. We're not there yet, but... So he's the. she's the biggest one we've seen so far. <laughs> okay. And we, we have Anya running a magic shop in Sunnydale. What is she? Still unclear. The they term, call her a demon witch? A de- yeah, demon witch is the one term that's used. Is she a vengeance demon? She's been around before Christ. We know that much, but... Yeah. Anyway. Well, she says she says like 500 BCE. Yeah, she does, but... She's a hair old. So she was the one who had sold or lent this particular necklace to the vampire. He comes back of and he's like, he's like, this thing is so amazing. I want all of them that you have. And she's like, sounds good. Let's drink to your health. And then all his flesh melts off his bones. Yeah, he, she's like, have my flask. He snatches her flask and drinks. Maybe don't snatch a flask, man. Yep. And then... As a man with a flask... Don't touch my flask. And then she takes back the I hope little you, necklace I, I thing. Hope you, I hope you melt. Then she takes back the little necklace thing. It's, and It's very poltergeist. I was ready for him to start ripping his skin off into a sink. I don't know what that means, but I don't think I want to know. So, so we find out that Anya is awesome and also a business lady and also murdery. We only see her really murder vampires. We don't... Let's also talk about brothel later. We don't know what that means, though. It could have been a vampire brothel. There's also the bunny. We'll get to the bunny. What would it be, Ani, if there wasn't a bunny? Overall, for all the changes in this book has from the original, I think Ani is my favorite. Because Ani, I mean, granted, we're still very early in Anya's character growth, but Anya started interesting and then very quickly got relegated to the girlfriend. And then it seemed to turn into, whoa, how do we write her? Seemed to be the gist. What I love so far about this series is that they took the two characters who kind of weren't always the most useful or the most exciting, and they have immediately made them far more interesting just naturally. This is the second one. Xander? Xander, okay. I mean, it's not that he's not interesting, but I feel like a lot of times he was the character that was like, well, I guess we'll get Xander to do it because everyone else has powers, so we'll give Xander something to do. And so by making him the point of view character, all of a sudden we're not were in his brain, which is more interesting naturally than just like, and then Xander tagged along. Yeah, and the trouble with Xander when the jump to comics was made is Xander is visually the least interesting. I mean, we're right, not, like he can't do magic. He's not. We're not to Willow doing punching things aggressively. Yeah, Willow isn't magicking about yet. We're gonna get a few hints that she's gonna be doing that, but Xander just always was, you know, regular guy and regular guy in comic book form. Not, you know, you do what you can. Willow passes Buffy a note and asks for her to hang out with her and Xander, and they go to watch Nosferatu. Weird. That thing that teenagers love to do. You love to do that. No one wanted to do it with me. Because it was a weird thing. It's a good movie. You should all see it. I have seen it. You made me watch it. It's the first Dracula movie. I forget what studio did it, but they wanted to do a Dracula flick. Bram Stoker's widow said no, so that okay, great. His name's Orlock. Now we're doing the same story. Ha ha! Good flick. It's a funny word. Here's something um, that doesn't quite work with the later issues that we're going to get. Something you already mentioned is Buffy is, they're like, what was up with that guy turning to dust? And Buffy's like, oh, it was a vampire. And Willow and Xander laugh her off. But we're going to establish like in two issues that 
everyone in Sunnydale is kind of aware that things aren't normal here, but they're like, what are the chances? Except for all those other weird demonic things that happen. Yeah, but then they believe her pretty quickly. So I don't know. It's a weird. It's it's a little odd. I know I complained about the exposition earlier, but I'm going to praise the exposition now in this scene. Because we find out some really interesting things about Willow's character. She has moved right along. She is not Oz's girlfriend and then No crush on Xander. Like Willow's just start Willow's gay. Yep, and she has We're a- not doing that thing again. She's just straight up gay from the get go. And she has a girlfriend named Rose. But I love that Willow's talking about like I'd like to meet a witch. Maybe there's a hot witch out there. And then Buffy's like, "Don't you have a girlfriend?" And, and that she's feels like, "Hey, supernatural." Yeah, and Buffy's like, or Willow says, "Hey, girl, can I have a fancy? Can't she?" That is wonderful, natural exposition, and I applaud it wholeheartedly. That's how you do it. Yes. So it's little things like that that have been changed. That it's just enough that you realize that this is something new, but not so much that you're overwhelmed by the newness. And Xander's type away on his blog where he has the username the Zeppo. Is that three thirteen, I think? So anyway. Xander's like, I'm with my friends, but I'm sad. Yes. And then Ani goes to watch Firefly again. References. Oh, but before she watches Firefly, I love this. This, you know, if I was Alpha Alpha, my hair would be sticking on ends at this. I'm going with the oldest references I can. I don't know <laughs> and why. So much side eye. I don't know why you're choosing these two. She's like, while I'm being neutral i'm gonna send off a package of terrible things to wolfram and hart i was like who Mm -hmm. i like that we're getting Uh i like that we're getting the idea that anya as a vengeance demon was never wholly good (laughs) it's okay you don't need to make that noise anymore i can't get higher anya as a vengeance demon was never wholly good nor bad and so i like that mostly bad but i like that as a shopkeeper She gets to totally play that same role that she's willing to take anybody's money, it sounds like. Well, I mean, that's the role. I mean, I do that all the time. Sometimes you'll have people trying to like, oh, what's this? I'm like, everyone's money spends the same. I don't really care. And so I like that Anya is also playing that game. That feels very within Anya's character, especially the vengeance demon part of her before she turns human. But she's watching on a real old TV. Well... Good for her. Maybe I mean, she wanted to. That thing has to have a DVD player set up because you couldn't get a signal on that thing anymore. That's too old. Anyway, so Anya's watching TV and all of a sudden somebody barges in and it turns out that it's Drusilla. Your favorite. I love Drew. Drew She's is your favorite. awesome. And Drew's actually quite entertaining in this as well. Not that but this not, issue shows her. Not a crazy Drew. It's a sane Drew. Yeah. So, on to issue two. It's a Drew that likes to be called the mistress. So anyway, jumping into issue two, we jump into a dream of Buffy's. And I love how the art definitely shows that it's a dream. Everything's in tones of red. The faces are very elongated and grotesque, but very recognizable. It's kind of Joker-esque. This is nightmarish stuff. We see Buffy is having a dream. Maybe it's a Slayer dream. I've heard of those. Does Maybe. It, is that is that a nightmarish thing that uh, good old Buffy goes through? And so it's the idea that Buffy is watching her new friends die around her. And there's some kind of mouth at this hell thing? And she can't save anybody. And Xander's narration is still happening. Just because, you know, I'm throwing this in there as my own kind of protection for later on, because I don't know if I'll mention it or not, out of forgetfulness. But we start getting hints of the apocalypse. The apocalypse is coming. Something is coming to Sunnydale. There is a prophecy. Wait, an apocalypse in Sunnydale? And there's a prophecy? I've never heard of any of these things before. Is there an anointed one? Probably not. No, he sucked. Anyway... So Buffy wakes and up aged with a start. So soon. Buffy wakes up with a start, goes downstairs, and we find out that Joyce has a boyfriend um, named Eric. Hang hang on right there. 
Because not only does Buffy wake up, she wakes up in the exact same bed that she had in the show. See, it's things like that that just, it makes you realize how much the people who put this together really cared about the show because you could just draw any bed. Hang on, terrible joke. Frame for frame, bed frame for bed frame. Anyway. Aha! We are moving on to Eric, but... It's very clear that Buffy is kind of uncomfortable in her living situation with this new guy and she doesn't, her mom clearly doesn't know still about the whole Slayer business. And But Eric seems to be very nice and both of us on our Patreon exclusive reviews, patreon.com slash editors.comics, minimum of a buck a month. Seriously, it's like 33 cents per show, it's worth it. Different beast than what we're doing here. Eric is very nice and we both went, well, he's evil. And because Buffy has trained us that if somebody is nice... <laughs> then they can't be good. And to be fair, writer Jordi Belair, very famous comics colorist, also a writer on the series Redlands. Maybe I'll be doing that one on my other podcast in October. A dog bites someone's dick off, so that's definitely up my alley. And that's definitely not up mine. <laughs> so you keep that right over on that other show. Whatever, unrelated. Or actually very related. But she sent out a tweet in response to that podcast, and she's like, without spoiling anything, I want to subvert expectations, and sometimes nice is just nice. And to that I say, next you'll be telling me that every teacher in Sunnydale that comes in new isn't a demon. I'm really sorry. If you also are a Patreon member, then you've heard that joke like four times, and I can't do anything about it. I only used it once, and I'm sad you called me out for re recycling a joke that I've been tucking away. Also, maybe it's just that I've heard it 17 <laughs> times. I thought it was a good joke. Why'd you have to call me out? No one had to know, aside the from patron the patrons. people. I stand by that joke. It's a good joke. I thought of it immediately. I'm like, I'm like should I tweet this back? I'm like, no. I'll save it for a podcast, and then I'll reuse it on a different podcast. Also, if you sign up for patreon.com slash editors note comics, I'm not in the habit of reusing jokes. I just really liked that one. It was not a bad one. Thanks. I like that you've the the joke has now been ruined. It's been beaten into the ground. That's but good for you. Moving right along, Giles is like, hey, I hear that silver can repel vampires and some kind of weapons. And then first appearances. Cordelia shows up and you love Cordelia. I've always been a Cordelia fan. Basically every iteration of her. I mean, obviously, aside from Jasmine possessed, but she was possessed by Jasmine. So, you know, lay off. So here's another rather large character shift and also is nice, really nice. Cordelia is just incredibly Perfect. kind and she's smart and lovely. she's beautiful and welcoming to everyone. The reason that people have an issue with cordelia is because she's too perfect versus the old version of cordelia that we got was just like because she was a terrible person um, kind of a massive bitch and so this cordelia is like welcome to sunnydale buffy i'm so sorry i haven't met you sooner can i give you one of my pins while i'm running for a student president it really brings out your eyes you're so beautiful and i can't wait to get to know you better oh my god also, I have great grades, and I just want to do good things for this school. I love that it's a big old twist on the character, but it totally works. Well, and the first time I read it, I kept waiting for it to, f for the yeah. facade to fall down. Yeah. Like, like she walks out of the library and back to Harmony and is like, "You see Get that a load dumb of that. girl?" Yeah. And instead, it's not that at all. She just keeps on trucking, the same happy, kind, worried about the environment and the town and all the stuff. Like Cordelia is just perfect and she's like just setting this insane standard and we're going to get to something relatively soon where i'm like i'm kind of with cordelia and so we also find out that willow is running for president we meet her girlfriend rose just all sorts of good and normal things we found out that willow is still very willow and that she's running against cordelia many times but cordelia keeps on winning we don't get a ton about rose but to be fair 
we're not really here for Rose. No, and we'll see where what happens to Rose. Yeah, like, I mean, she's we, fine. She's been in a couple of issues. She seems very supportive of Willow and very loving. So you know, good for her. Not really any points against her. But this is probably my favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. It's a terrible nitpicky thing. I say Willow casts her first spell here because depending on what panel you're looking at, Willow might have teeny tiny shorts with fishnets or maybe full pants. So I say Willow's first spell, pants. Willow's first spell is pants. In the old show, it was giving Angel a soul. This time, pants. I'm going to be really honest. One seems more practical. No pants. Pants. I'm pointing. You can't see me pointing, but I'm pointing. Um, we also find out that Xander is still sad Xander, who also, feels I don't think like an outsider. In my high school, you couldn't have worn shorts that short. They, if they went below your, or if they were above your fingertips with your arms extended, too short. Eh, they're probably fine. Is that still how it works at school? Depends on which school you're at. Every school makes their own. You're dress at a school. Code. Yes. Do you have a short shorts dress code? We don't have a particular rule. Like it has to be by the fingertip. Like oh, we had that one. Would Willow's shorts work in your school? Yeah, it depends. I mean, it's all <laughs> comics. So in real life, probably. Not in my school. In real life, they also wouldn't look like that and they wouldn't fit like that. In real life, they would be longer just out of necessity. And then Cordelia yells out to Harmony. Oh man, Harmony is part of this. And maybe Harmony is going to come up like three more times. And maybe we're hinting at a big role for Harmony, which I am all about. We find out also that Buffy hasn't quite realized that she can't show her full physical prowess at things like school so she runs a track and she's real fast at it and then she's like oh man i'm so i'm I'm so out of breath and then she meets another huge character change robin wood who's bi- now i'm gonna say the biggest character change who's now a student and also super popular and also he's Buffy not put, has a crush on him he's not putting the pal in principal anymore but he still has the same dumbass earring Wow. I'm not going to take a lot of hard stands on this book, but I'm taking a hard stand on the re- the earring. He also has a broken arm. It looks stupid before. It looks stupid now. He broke get, his arm. Get rid of the earring. Hard stand. Okay, moving on. So Robin, he's just a little flirty with Buffy. Buffy, it's an age-appropriate boy. What are you doing? And so Buffy signs his cast. And, and he broke it for, in a mysterious way. Falling off a roof. And Buffy's like, that hurts. To be fair, where we're at right now, I have no idea what the mysterious way is. Robin is still, he's an enigma. Wrapped in a mystery. But, I mean, yeah, a little bit. And maybe he has cool hair. And a stupid earring. So. Stupid earring. Cordelia, back to Cordelia, she's leaving the school at the end of the day. Last one to leave. Been there. It's super creepy. Well, what I love about this is this is the one where you don't, this is the scene that defines that Cordelia's nice personality is not the other shoe dropping. Cordelia is carrying around balloons and she she loses them. She's like, "Ah, shucks, these are bad for the environment." Who says, "Ah, shucks"? Cordelia is charming. I'm all about Cordelia's charm in this. So she runs to and the, her environmental concern. She runs to the creepy woods right next to the high school. Also, because it's Sunnydale. If you build a school on the Hellmouth, number one, dumb. Number two, why do you put it next to the creepy woods? But who comes out of the creepy woods holding the balloon? Spike. Spike. Who do you think we should use for our intro for this episode? Should we do it? They're both in here. Well, three. Should this be Xander, Cordelia, or Spike? Not uh, the glory one. Cordelia. She gets introduced first. It'd be fair. I mean, random side note, I'm said on the show before. When I met Charisma in person and she did an intro for us, she is so quick. Of all the random celebrities I've met working cons, she is quick and really funny. Well, there you go. So I guess we'll do her. Charisma it is. You already heard it, you know, half an hour ago. Anyway, uh, so Spike appears with Cordelia's balloon. <laughs> Spike catches a balloon. So 
Although I like that Spike is there. Compare this to his last entrance. He rolls up, was he like, listen to Sex Pistols or something, runs down the Sunnydale sign, comes out with a cigarette. This time, balloon. And Cordelia's like... <laughs> Not that I dislike it, but I just like it's a funny juxtaposition. Cordelia's like, thank you so much for my balloon. That's my $5 word of the day. Juxtaposition. Damn right. Can I give you a ride somewhere? Is there something I can do to help? I so appreciate everything you've done for me. Catching my balloon. And he's like, you shouldn't wander in the woods alone. And she's like, nope, that's probably not a great idea. All right. Do you well, want a ride? I like that she's like, yeah, my kind of view on life is, you know, not everyone's the worst. So just expect the best and go from there. But here's the thing is that I was so waiting for Spike to do something and he doesn't. He just kind of melts back into the shadows. This one time he does on the 100th episode of Angel, he bites her. And then there's a commercial break. And then Angel throws him into a ceiling. Makes sense. And he All goes, that makes sense. something like, um, it'll be her last go around if you touch her again. I forget the line. I've seen this once or twice. Yeah? Maybe even three times? I don't actually want to think about it. I bet somewhere between 12 and 16 times. That seems high. I don't think it does. <laughs> I wish you hadn't whispered that. Whatever, Cordelia walks away with her balloon. Spike doesn't kill her. And we see that Drusilla has tied up Anya, where she refers to her as a demon witch. And she's talking about like, hey, you know, there's something coming. The prophecy is going to happen. And we got to try and, you know, not die. So she's searching for something at Anya's place. And she knows that Anya won't respond well to torture. So she just starts breaking things in Anya's shop and accidentally breaks open a vase that has this giant vampire killing demon inside of it. So giant flying demon thing is now trying to kill all the vampires too. And should I do a voice for this one? I want to. Can I do like the, my bug voice? I guess. I don't think they work. I think they're very different characters. When Spike had bugs, I won't. Okay. But he's just like, free, I'm free to destroy the vampires. I will kill them all. And Drusilla's like, ah, I'm a vampire. Also, she definitely knows Anya from before. And then we see Xander texting with Buffy and Willow, who's like, I thought we were hanging out. And they're both like, no, we're doing other things than hanging out with you. Who's like, ah, I'm sad. Story of Xander's life. Issue three. So Spike walks in to tell about meeting Cordelia, and turns out he meets giant vampire killing demon as well. Also a weird thing. Like, Spike goes to his girlfriend. He's like, let me tell you about this teenage girl I met. It's weird. It's weird. Don't do that. It is. <laughs> I do like this gigantic bat. He's not Malachor big. Callback. But he's a gigantic bat. Who's red? And Spike's like, uh, why do I have my hair shaved on the sides and long up top? Hope we don't meet anyone else that does that. You mean you? Do you see that on my head right now? Um, There's a lot of pictures of you with that around our house. Oh, the wedding. Yep. He's like, why did I do that? Right, right. Yeah, the wedding. Yep. Back when you had haircuts. I'm not a fancy boy anymore. Guess not. You even had like red pants back when I met you. You had like herringbone pants. Do you remember those? I didn't know what that means. That's fine. What does that mean? You had them. They're like little chevrons. That didn't help, did it? No. They're like, I'll show you later. Not a big deal. Look, my style. You got them in Italy. Oh, those pants. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Those uh, left little to the imagination. Which is why you bought them (laughs) and then wore them to work. Inappropriate. Good times. Whatever. There's a big old bat. He's red, and then he escapes from the... Let's just call it the magic box. We don't know if that's what it is. It's probably called that, honestly. And then we see that Anya knows who Spike is, but they don't refer to him as Spike. Both Drew and Anya yell, shut up, William! Because evidently he's kind of a know-it-all and also kind of a pushover. I love that. And also tries to make himself sound cool to teenage girls. Yep. 
And we find out later that his that he's trying to make Spike happen again. And Drusilla's like, it didn't happen in the 90s and it's not happening now. And I think it's so funny. To be fair, shots fired. But yeah, Spike is kind of a stupid name. And so are his black fingernails. I mean, so is a giant leather duster. Are you going to tell that to Angel too? His dusters weren't leather. He had cloth ones. He wore shorter leather ones. He had three quarter length leather. He never did full leather. He wore leather pants though, so. I'm going to go closer to the 16 end than the 12. What? What? The number of viewings. Oh. <laughs> Anya gives them some immortal gems and she's like, you owe me a debt. Maybe this is something that's also going to come back later. So they're saved from giant bat creature right now. And giant bat creature flies off into the night to go find more vampires. He, he just wants to kill them. Also, as a business owner, don't take vague debts. Cash, preferably. You don't have to pay the credit card companies. I'm going to be really honest, but I think that Anya's been around a lot longer than you have as an established business, and so I'm going to trust Anya on this one. Ah, uh, her acumen. Yes. Buffy's like, where do I find the vampires? And this giant bat flies over. He's like, kill the vampires! She's like, well, that's convenient. Yeah, and so we also find out during this scene that Giles plays the guitar at outdoor venues at outdoor cafes. You know what I don't which like? Which is charming. What I don't like about this scene is that we don't know what Giles is playing. Like, Spike hears Giles play. He's like, is that an Englishman ruining the English classics? Like, what did Giles play? It was like uh, The Who he did behind blue eyes. And was it Freebird? And we don't get an indication of what he's playing. Damn it, I want to know. Makes sense. Also, he's not trimming his strings. Come on, man. That's just lazy. Get some wire cutters. What are you doing? Anyway, so... Buffy appears on the scene and tries to get this giant thing under control because right now it's giant and looks like it's about to kill everybody. And Harmony and Cordelia are there. More Harmony references. Maybe she's going to play a big role. We don't actually know this, but let me put this down like unequivocally. Harmony is going to play a big role. This is also where we find out that nobody's really that phased by this particular giant demon. And Harmony has been having dreams about some kind of mouth of hell, and maybe about vampires and girls killing them. Maybe, just maybe, yeah. Harmony has something to do with the Slayer line, which I'm all about. I love Harmony. Also, they didn't have her homecoming dress in her size, so it's another problem. I was going to skip that bit. Seemed less important to the story as a whole. I'm not sure it is. For Harmony, I'm sure it's that's the more important part. She's like, ah, I'm having all these dreams of girls killing vampires in ancient times. Also, my dress! Our little friend, the vampire bat, tries to kill Spike, and Cordelia jumps to Spike's defenses, and they fight him off together. With a string of lights. They tie him up with a string of lights. They do. Pull him down, and maybe Cordelia's getting a little crush. And so Spike is like, thanks, maybe I needed the help. And why aren't you so weirded out by this? And Cordelia's like, because I live in Sunnydale. And I really enjoy that moment because I think that everybody in Sunnydale would have this to some degree or else they wouldn't live in Sunnydale. And then Buffy shows on the scene and she's wearing red pants and a black top and a leather jacket. And is this the season three fight with Faith or what? Same outfit. And so she starts so to- what? I'm sorry. What? I literally just noticed this this viewing, which is my third or fourth at this time. I'm slow on the uptake, but I'm trying to get all the references I can. So here's where the little parts where it feels like Buffy very much so. Buffy is in the middle of trying to subdue this giant bat thing, and she stops 
to rag on Giles about his guitar playing, throws him back the neck of the guitar because the guitar got broken and all the chaos of it. But just Or he didn't trim the strings. Look at those. Look at those. Look I at those can, at the top of the neck. I can see that. I can see that. Get I, some wire cutters, man. I can see that. You don't have to yell at me about it. Lazy son of a bitch. I really enjoy that particular Buffy moment because it feels so Buffy. Yeah, where she's like, you play guitar? To stop and have this little quip in the middle of a fight about something that's so- Not really a quip. It's just more an observation. Whatever. About something that's so inconsequential in the moment, but- I just really... You never asked me about my personal life. It's it's just little pieces like that that really make me feel like this is definitely a series that should continue. And then Buffy socks this gigantic bat in the stomach. He's like, why? I'm here to help the Slayer. He's just like, what? You doing a what? And then my favorite thing to do, pronouncing names I've never heard out loud. Side note. Good luck. I hate it. Kerpf. Good luck. It's not Kerpf. <laughs> I hate that one so much. This giant bat is Camazots. Camazots? Camazots. We're calling them Camazots. Like Camelot? Sure. It's only a model. So. Da 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 da. Someone definitely got that joke. I didn't. So. You've never seen that movie. I don't know what it is. To my great shame, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I've seen part of it. You told me you saw none of it. I've seen part of it. Well, our marriage is full of lies. Okay, cool. I've seen part of it. Camazots is a giant bat. He's like. I'm your Patronus or whatever. Not true. He's basically her Pegasus. Patronus. He's her winged steed. I say this as a man who doesn't understand Harry Potter. He's her winged steed. She's like, here's my deer, but it's a giant scary ass bat. And Buffy goes after that realization that she chamomile himself is her Pegasus. I'm calling him that now. He's chamomile. All right. Like the T? Damn right. He's really kind of the opposite of that. I'm not mispronouncing that name again weird gross tea buffy goes up to spike and they have their first interaction will they be lovers will they bring down a house it doesn't really look like it well she just steals the possible gem of amara off of him and he's like wait what they were gonna fight she's like no we did that in the old show and it didn't work well until it did so i'm just gonna steal this crap off you and while all of this is happening cordelia is still standing right there and this is our first like our first crack in the Cordelia facade of like, everything is great and perfect, even though I live on the Hellmouth. And she goes to Buffy and she's like, you are going to get somebody killed with all the terrible things. Oh, wait. You, you jumped ahead a I little bit, ahead. but that's I... fine. Uh, Drusilla goes to attack Cordelia. Xander hits everyone in the head with a shovel. Yay, team. Willow, no pants again. And Drusilla and Spike retreat. Yeah, and then Cordelia's like, what are you doing? You're yeah. going to get someone killed. And Cordelia's like, I really try to be nice to everybody, but I really cannot support this behavior and then this part where i'm really on cordelia's side she's like you're gonna get someone killed a willow goes yeah probably and my response like a smile i'm with cordelia on this yes but giles gets uh chamomile tea himself back into a vial he's like you'll help the slayer eventually uh willow went and got a little spell or artifact or something for him for giles to seal him up in and then he has a very sincere moment with buffy he's like you're the best. You got the demons away from civilians. You saved me. You saved others. And you're the greatest ever. And Buffy is like, ah, I can't deal with sincerity. And to be fair. Neither can you. Eh, unless I'm drunk. That's very And then I'm nothing but sincere. And Spike and Drusilla run away to their little mausoleum. And this is, I don't know what this is, but Spike calls her a mistress. But they also have a bunch of floating candles, Hogwarts style. And then it turns out Drusilla's all pissed because she's the mistress and she's like, oh man, I'm going to kill one of Buffy's friends because I stole Buffy's phone and she didn't put a password on it. Dun, dun, dun. 
And the moral of the Buffy story is always put a password on your phone. Oh, I forgot to mention this because we're talking about phone technology and whatnot. Cordelia mentions that she was like president in 2018 and 2017. I think that's a mistake because comics aren't going to move the way a TV show does. You're not going to have the year to year to year thing. You can say like every, or you can, I guess, you can say like every issue is a month. I think doing, putting a definitive time on this is ill-advised. And they were very careful. The only technology we really see are cell phones, which don't feel that obtrusive, maybe because phones have been around for so long. But I mean, some version of a smartphone has been around, what, the first iPhone came out in like 2008 or 2009 or something. You're asking the wrong guy. Something like that. So the first version of a smartphone being there, it doesn't really throw me off to have a smartphone. That doesn't date it specifically for me. No, but I mean, I'm, you know, 127, so... You keep, Boo. keep growing older with every time. <laughs> Boo technology. By the end of this podcast, it'll be 183. Yeah, probably. Issue four then begins, and we get Xander's live journaling back. Yeah, and so he kind of gives a quick recap on everybody's lives. Last few weeks, we see that Willow is reading books of the occult. And, and they've been fighting vampires, and he's failing classes because he's a dumbass. I think it was really because they've been patrolling a lot, because... Willow oh. and Xander have been patrolling with her. Yeah, but Willow's smart, and Buffy has her tuna job. I don't know. I don't question things. Xander's just a dumbass. He's not. He is. He's a sad dumbass. Physics is hard. Did you ever take physics? I don't know. I took physics and advanced physics, and they were both hard. The other thing that we see is Giles has a girlfriend. Is it Jenny? Is it a Jenny calendar? Wait, calendar. <laughs> is it Jenny calendar? Jenny. We don't really know. We also see that Cordelia is still winning things. and Also, if you've listened to our other Patreon-exclusive podcast, apparently all I do is do Tom Hanks impressions now. Is that real? I Do I just block them out? I did that Captain Phillips one. Oh, I forgot about that. I did being block ordered that by, We're being ordered by armed pirates. I just blocked it out. I'm going to block out that one, too. And we find out, too, that Xander is just feeling very alone. Can't get a date to homecoming. I don't know what that is. I definitely didn't do that thing. I'm not even going to dwell on the fact that you don't know what homecoming I is. Have, we had it, I think. You definitely had homecoming. Anyway, I definitely skipped it. I would a thousand percent believe that as well. And Cordelia is fantasizing about one Billy the Bloody. And so that's, Xander's... That's a that's an old twist. When she first met Angel, she was all about like, hmm... Look at him, but now she's all about that that spike. So Xander's feeling very alone, like everybody else has something cool going on in their lives, and he's just there. Sad and dumb, um, as we previously established. But he's been training with Willow and Buffy and Giles. And, and Okay, here's my question. Where are they training? Because the place that they are, and we have some callbacks to the olden times of season five and six of Buffy's training area when it was behind the magic box. Where is this? Trick question. We don't know. In a vault. I like how you looked at me for a second. You're like, uh. Um, no, I am curious where this is because previously this uh, set would have been behind the magic box, but the magic box has a no teenager sign with Anya now. Maybe Giles and Anya co on the magic box together. It's all a ruse. Maybe, or maybe it's just an abandoned building. Or probably not abandoned, but Giles' glasses have also changed over these number of issues. Throwing that out there. There are more, I don't know, early 2000s, late 90s, and now they're back to kind of like the classic wide frame. 
But Giles gives the teenagers the night off and says that even though things haven't been super crazy around there, that it's just kind of wearing to go patrolling all the time. So he agrees to go patrolling to let everybody just go hang out for a night. And we find out that Buffy lost her phone. And they're all shocked. They have a night out. And Buffy's like, if the apocalypse comes, page me. Wait, no, that was the season one. This time she's like, call me. Never mind, you can't. I lost my phone. <laughs> Which also feels very Buffy to be like, yeah, I don't have a phone. Do you think that's a callback? It could be. Because that was also one they abused heavily in promo material. Like, if the apocalypse comes, beat me. I said page me before, my bad. You mean like Kim Possible? I'm sure someone got pissed at me for saying page me. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Hey, I just met you. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong thing. Carly Ray herself. So off the children go, talking about how Buffy doesn't have her phone anymore, but and they decide that they're all going to go to the movies together, along with Robin. <gasps> Robin Wood. So dreamy. Stupid ass earring. So dreamy. And so it's kind of a- Do you know what I hope for this series? A vampire just puts their finger in that dumbass hoop and rips it out. I want to see that cartilage fly, baby. So I'm ignoring all of that. Back to the actual story. Hoopy earrings are stupid. They all decide to go to a movie, and it's kind of a fifth wheel situation for Xander because Robin's going to go with Buffy, and Rose is going to go with Willow, and Xander's going to go with the group. Watch everyone else be happy. And as someone who was a frequent third and fifth wheel, it's only as awkward as you make it. So if you decide you're going to have fun, then it's fine. But Xander has decided to make it awkward and thus is feeling kind of down about the whole situation. Robin agrees to go on this group date where Xander definitely has a swooping chance. So Buffy's at home getting ready for said double date plus Xander. And to be, there's a, another movie playing on the TV, and considering the last time it was Nosferatu, I don't know who this one is. I didn't bother looking it up. I don't know if anyone knows, but there's definitely a movie happening, and I, I'm drawing a blank. Okay. Sorry, I let you down. You did. Um, but we get to see a little bit more from Eric, which is kind of fun. We find out that Eric's a doctor. Not evil Eric. And Eric is not dumb. And Buffy's been wearing a lot of long sleeve shirts to cover up her bruises and things. Some of us did that when we got tattoos on our arms and it was like 90 degrees out. We didn't want our parents to know. And then they were like, it's a lot of long sleeves you're wearing. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not sweating at all. Buffy literally said the same thing. But Eric was just like, hey... And, well, I like... don't want to know what's happening exactly, but I'm a doctor, so next time you break your hand, how about I help you with it, as and, opposed to hiding it in an oven mitt? And my parents were like, how are those tattoos going? I'm like, what? No, not hot at all. This is a normal amount of sweat, guys. Yeah. I just didn't get tattoos, and everything's fine. I don't know if I want to get more or get less. <laughs> it's, it's one of those. It's actually both of those, to which be honest. One, which one costs us the least amount of money? Uh, getting more. Are you sure? Significantly. In the long run? Less. Okay. And Joyce is like, who are you going out with? She's like, you know, Willow and Xander and Robin. And she's like, what a pretty girl's name. Yes. Um, I really quite enjoy that because that felt like a very Joyce moment to be like, oh, I'm going to not so subtly poke into your business, but also I'm your mother and you're 16. So I get to do that. This is actually my favorite scene probably in all these books so far. She's like, oh, you're so busy. And Buffy's like, I know, I'm just doing all this. Like, I have all this school and I'm doing all this slaying. And Joyce is like, slaying? I don't understand the lingo of today. You crazy kids. You and me, Joyce. <laughs> we don't know what the hell is going on. I also really enjoy that slay is an actual, like, term used nowadays. What? Sorry, old man. How? I don't, it just what does it mean? 
Is it really? Yes, it is. Ah, uh, it is. You can look it up. Uh, I, I just hear it. Like I, I know it is. I hate the slang. I miss in the '90s when "cool" was just a way to smoke cigarettes. Okay. With a K, though, there would be a snowboarder. So Buffy goes out on her little date, and meanwhile, we see a series of text messages to Xander from w- Buffy's phone, where Buffy's like, "Hey, handsome." And maybe this is just coming from a married point of view, but if you texted me, hey, handsome, I'd be like, who has this? Meanwhile, if, I was like, if somebody stole my phone and ever really wanted to pretend to be me, what like, you need to ask is, do we have any cheese or <laughs> what do you need from the grocery store? Those are your two options. If you were like, hey, handsome, I'd be like, who is this? Who stole this phone? And to be fair, Xander should be equally skeptical to hey, handsome, because Spike is sexting Xander. Yep, and uh, that's my favorite part, too, is that Drew has zero patience of dealing with phones, and so... Me and Drew, baby. Uh, Now I'm connecting with Drew. (laughs) She's like, texting is stupid and phones are stupid. I'm like, I agree. But anyway, um, and Xander falls for it. Because I'm 142. They're trying to lure him into a trap, and he falls hook, line, and sinker for it. After sexting with Spike. They're not really sexting. They're just setting up a time to meet. We don't know. I mean. Because he thinks it's. Boom clearly doesn't want to do some cursing in this book. Buffy. So we don't, we don't know how deep this goes. So he thinks it's Buffy. He is like, oh, cool. So you want to do something that's not the movie with everyone else. And he shows up to their appointed meeting place, gets a text from Willow being like, hey, where are you? We're all at the movie. And he's like, oh, no, Buffy abandoned me. She just thought it was a joke. Which I was like, what a weird thing to jump to. If if that happened, I'd be like, oh, you mean my friend whose phone got lost a couple weeks ago and then all of a sudden started texting me today? Maybe that's just not her who's texting. Yeah, that's, that's red flag central. Right? Like, But no, Xander took it as... They abandoned me and they don't like me. Drew steps out from the shadows and but she's like, "We've also Xander has also established in this that he is 16 and ready to mingle. So Drew steps out of the shadows. Sexually. And she's like, are you looking for this phone? Sexually. And at that point, Xander- <laughs> The dog just shook himself off. And See, you're awake, buddy. At that point, Xander should have been like, oh no, you stole my friend's phone. And you're a vampire. This is very bad. Instead, he just like hangs around with her. And she's like, that's not, we know how you feel. That's not true. He tries her only and Spike punches him in the mouth. And then Drew's like, I want you. And he's like, my jaw. He just hit me. No, he doesn't do that, though. No, he doesn't. He just is like, oh, yeah, let's sit together. And I'll pour out my heart to you. Actually, to be fair, I, I'm making, you know, I'm dumbing it down to the dumbest possible reading of it. But it is actually a very effective scene. It really is. I just If you haven't heard our commentaries before, I will dumb it down to the dumbest possible version. It it really pays off the three issues prior to this that have given us Xander's thoughts because otherwise this would feel very no, abrupt. I, we're pretty aware of Xander's mental health issues at this point in time and I mean I haven't been a teenager in a while now, but it feels pretty true this idea of not connecting and not fitting in and not quite finding your spot and just wanting that feeling of pure acceptance feels pretty real and unfortunately he tries to find it in drew i mean unless you're me and i was just cool and awesome forever or you're me and i just didn't really care but i had fun <laughs> One of us. i wasn't cool just so we're clear I don't know if that's a shocker to anybody, but I had a lot of fun, and I still see all my friends from high school. They're all very smart. I talk to no one from high school, not a single person. They're all very smart, and so that's well, good. Well, since I don't talk to anyone and no one can confirm or deny, I was always cool and the best. 
So anyway, um, class president, prom king, and queen, all in, in one package. Xander's like, I just want a place, and but unfortunate sideburns because I couldn't grow a full beard until senior year. Oh my, unfortunate sideburns forever. They were awful. Also, I don't have unfortunate hair. sideburns for. I have a beard. I know, but anything that could be defined as just sideburns was terrible. They were all bad. I've not seen you with acceptable sideburns. I'll do them now. I swear to God, I'll go upstairs and I will shave acceptable sideburns. And then we're going to have to go through that whole thing again where I won't show you to people <laughs> until it all goes back. Anyway. Um, Whatever, Xander dies. So Drew turns Xander into a vampire. And peeking out from the shadows, watching this whole thing, is none other than... Macklemore the vampire. Angel. Just because of his haircut. Also, shaved on the sides and pointy up top. Boy, because there was never a difference between him and Spike. They just like to hammer that home that they're the same person. So those are the four main issues in the arc. We're what the do- hell is Angel doing? Why is he just watching Xander? We don't know the answer to this yet at the time of recording. We don't. Although Angel Zero is out. So I guess we'll deal with that when the rest of Angel is out. But really- We don't know. what. Seriously, what is Angel doing? We know um, from the Angel Zero issue that he knows who Spike and Drew are. Probably turned Drew again. Why is he just watching a boy die? It's very unclear, but Angel's in a bad spot, too. Yeah, we we don't have the answers yet. But... We're not going to talk about Angel Zero here right now, but feel free to go read it because it's pretty awesome and also it connects very closely also, to all we, this. Also, we released that podcast for free on our uh, feed, so. So if you want to hear about it, but also thoughts, just go yeah. to your local comic shop and get Angel Zero. Well, even after rereading this and kind of going through everything, like, what is Angel doing? We know that he has a soul. We know that he is still, you know, helping the helpless. Why is he watching it? Again, I'm positive this is there will be context to this, but where we're at right now. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I think that's an unfair reading of it. We don't know. We don't know why it. We don't know the reason. It's happening. I'm sure it will make uh, because again, as we've already mentioned, I like this stuff a lot. This is a great reboot. But I, for as much as I make fun of Angel of being like Angel's, you know, he doesn't change and he's an idiot and he's a mock to the flame and he's the least interesting character in his story. I like Angel. I think this is one of the very few times I've been pissed at Angel. Like, what are you doing, man? Because even when Angel hits his darkest points, like even when like he locked Drusilla and Darla into the basement with Holland Manners and Lindsay and Lila and like they killed all Wolfram and Hart's lawyers, like I'm like oh that's a dark moment. But I wasn't pissed at him. I'm like yeah they suck. Let them die. Burn them all. But I'm just waiting to see what happens because I'm sure there's an explanation or something or we just don't have it yet. So yeah. So I mean Angel... maybe Angel Number One will tell us. Uh, I think I do want to focus on this moment for just a hair because this is actually uh, pretty massive in terms of this world like the story has changed we talked about how things aren't introducing themselves in the same way we've seen them before that there's been a you know not exactly the same way it was and things are being set up a little bit differently but this is the line in the sand this is saying we are not the same story and we, now we are going a vampire. to be yeah we're going to be different and that's pretty big it is and it's like you can alter robin wood and you can say like willow was you know more in tune with her sexuality earlier on and joyce has a boyfriend these are minor changes killing one of the main four is big and i i like it a lot i like it because i don't know where it's gonna go but the fact that we have vampires with souls in this world means that we don't necessarily have to lose xander while losing xander does that make any sense yeah i don't know what to be honest i have no idea where that's going and that feels fresh to me 
Because the last thing I want is to rehash what we've had before. I've seen that, and I love that, and you know, it was done in 1996 kind of way, but sorry, just, I was thinking about that time Willow dated a robot. So this that, uh, I hate that episode. This leads us really nicely into the free comic book day special. It's pretty short. Um, it's also in the same issue as a Firefly mini, so pick it up for both things. But we're just going to talk about about the Buffy part. Yeah. Also, um, if you didn't see this, and I'm sad if you didn't, Dynamic Forces, who is a company who basically just does books signed by people, was releasing this for free on Free Comic Book Day. I put out a tweet about it. If you're not following me on Twitter. I guess do that because I'll throw out that kind of sweet shit for you. Um, signed by the writer. Greg Pock, who does the Firefly stuff. But, you know, plug, plug, plug for my Twitter. Yep. Also, my Patreon, patreon.com slash editors no comics, $1 a month. So let's jump into this little piece because it's short but has a very huge impact on what's going to happen. So we start off with Anya holding a bunny, which is my favorite thing. Because Anya is terrified of bunnies in the original or show. Or is she now? Now she just seems to be about sacrificing them. Yeah. She was, to she... snake spiders. Set that son of a bitch on fire. <laughs> or give it a bunny as she does. I want to beat that thing to death with a baseball bat. I do not like this design. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that it's a good design, but it's terrifying. And I want to beat it to death. So a big demon vampire walks into the magic box. And turns out Buffy is at his throat with a stake. And the demon guy brought Buffy here because she's looking for something specific that only Anya might have. Buffy is also wearing a flannel shirt around her waist. And Joyce earlier in this run mentioned something about the lines of, boy, this smells like teen spirit. And Buffy's like, a 90s reference mom. I'm like, you were dressed like a 1993 Seattle chick. That's That's back now, though. Flannel? Flannel around the waist? Yeah. This is just why I wear plain t-shirts and jeans. It hasn't gone out of style. It's not going out of style. I don't care. So back to all of this. Sorry. After your little (laughs) rant number 47, we find out that Buffy is looking for a particular artifact that restores the soul of a vampire for a friend. Some kind of a soul tie. And she says it in Latin. And then I was like, wonder if that lines up. And I Google translated it. Turns it out it means soul tie. Someone else did their Google Translate work. Wouldn't it be so funny if they just Google Translated it and both, and like Google Translate was wrong. So you checking it through Google Translate makes you think it's right, except it's just not. What I would really love if there's like, they said a Latin phrase and then I went to Google Translate like, oh, I'll show them that it just like translated to shut up, Zach. It'd be very specific. <laughs> to be fair very specific promoting this stuff pretty heavily so we're looking for the soul tie and but we get buffy and anya meeting for the first time yes i love this and there is a bit of a time skip because we haven't really seen xander since him dying we have not seen I'll, him i'll be curious if another issue fills in this blanket bit or if we're just jumping to they know he's dead also we're assuming this is for xander because all that buffy says is she needs the soul tie for a friend i have no idea who else it could possibly be but xander but Harmony, potential slayer or slayer herself. Just throwing it out there. It doesn't specifically call out Xander by name. So um, it's, it's for Xander. Come on. So Anya is like, yep, I have this thing, but it's actually not going to help you a ton because it's a map in a different language that you don't understand. To the hell mouth. But I said I wouldn't give it to anybody, but you're the slayer. So I guess you can have it. Or are you a slayer? I think she just calls her slayer. I think she gets around it. I think she just says slayer. Buffy's like, how do I pay you? in money and she's like no no you just owe me a debt 
a debt that I shall get in full. And <laughs> Buffy's like, sounds great, and walks out. And Drusilla's like, I hey, one of those two. Wonder, hmm, hmm. Drew's not actually in this. But, I wonder um, if there's going to be a connection there. But this is the part that always throws, that threw me off when I first read this and throws me off again, that Buffy's like, that sounds great. Thanks so much for that debt so I don't have to pay for this right now. I think that walking in there with the lady who's feeding bunnies to a snake spider thing and then she gives you a mysterious map and has all these weird things in there i don't really want to owe her a debt it sounds like a deal with the devil don't make a deal with the devil just pay her with actual money sometimes he's burgess meredith the twilight zone it's probably my favorite devil so he smokes a cigar as buffy leaves um another knock at the door happens and it turns out it's Angel. Hair short on the sides, long up top, and he's wearing a motorcycle jacket. Where's the duster, buddy? You have a look. Why are you messing with the look? And so we find out that Angel and Anya are- I guess update it so he doesn't look like he's out of the 90s. Yes. So we find I out know that's that... the real reason. <laughs> so we find out that Angel and Anya are old buddies, and they've killed together in the past, but Angel stops her reminiscing because he urgently needs something, and what is it? A soul tie. He's like, you promised you wouldn't give it to anybody else, and she's like, aw, shucks, I just gave it away right before you got here. To the Slayer. And also, I am throwing down the gauntlet on theories. Yep. They've done it. Mm, I don't think that's real. I think they know each other intimately. I do not. Well, they went to a brothel together. And killed a lot of people. I think they brothled at the brothel and, you know. I think they just killed a lot of people. Anyway. Um, Mine is less dark than yours. Yours is like, they just murdered everyone. I'm like, they just, you know, had a bit of sex. And then murdered everyone. Doesn't it say they killed them? Yeah, but mine's still less dark. I don't think that's real. So that's our first arc. We highly recommend it. Please pick it up at your local comic shop. Um, See what you guys think. Especially future issues, which probably aren't going to be fully returnable. Also, thanks, Boom, for doing that. Appreciate it a whole bunch. Um, I found We found more customers than we would have without it. Without that full returnability, I would have ordered less. Angel. We're doing it together. Has his own book now, too. So. By Brian Edward Hill and artist Gleb Melenkov. I apologize if I didn't. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. But Angel Zero was also really awesome. Check out our Patreon exclusive, but released to the public intro for that and we will also discuss angel as it comes out yeah so it's past my bedtime pick this up i there there was definitely some silliness on the internet that i saw but really worth uh, it i mean if you've heard the show before in the many episodes that we've done you know that i'm not a blind fan i'm critical when i need to be critical and this is good they get and i really like this they get the voices they get the tone and also it's their own thing it's really that, magical. The only thing that's weird for me, and this is very much a personal thing, is I'm older than them now. That's because you're old I've, at 184. Just, when it all started, I was younger, and going through the comics, I just kind of assumed I was still a hair younger, and then we kind of ended up leveling out, but now I'm older, and it's weirder now. Just That's just a personal thing. Don't worry about that. Anyway. So let us know what you guys think. We'd love to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soonish at some point for something. On Patreon. Also, you can find us at our store in Maine. 210 Water Street, downtown Hollowell, Maine. There's a river out back. I have a store. There's a flag. It has Batman. And? I do another show. Oh, what was that noise? That was a whistle. Okay, cool. With Jared, not with me. And that's pretty much it. At editorsnotecomics.com. Yeah, you basically find everything on the website. 
It's too late to plug. I don't care. We'll talk to you guys later. Editorsnotcomics.com. Everything's there. We will be back in a couple of months to do a full arc review. But if you want to get issue by issue reviews, patreon.com slash editorsnotcomics, a dollar a month. Keep on staking those vampires. Bye. I'm working on a... Sign off? Yeah. That one didn't work. Yeah, it sucked. But, you know, come back for more shows. Bye. Bye.